Kiki Mama Ma. Welcome back to the Mama Ma Masters of Horror. I am Jim Cotta, co-host of the Cult Film Showdown, and I am joined by my partners in crime, Nick Boxer. Ayo, I got my green drink on. <laughs> and, I don't even know what that fucking means. <laughs> and the man that so many people want to skin, Jack Hall. And that's a lot of skin, folks. That's <laughs> that'll cover a lot of people. All people. Yes, and, yes. Uh, that that I believe is what you call a uh, a a tease for the episode that we're going to do here. So we are doing we're at what we're doing here at the Cult Film Showdown is we're taking a break from our normal search for the ultimate B movie to watch a series called Masters of Horror, which ran from 2005 to 2007 on Showtime. And uh, they were basically mini movies by some of the great names in horror uh, films uh, and uh, then some other people. Uh, This would be it's tough to have someone who's more legendary in horror film than the director of this episode we are on season two episode six entitled pelts p-e-l-t-s pelts the writer as well um while his while the the writer of this episode f paul wilson is may not be as famous as some of his contemporaries he's worked in a a, over a hundred different novels and is a a member of the america lifetime achievement award of the horror writers of america Wow. Um, so he is, uh, he's won numerous awards. His uh, most famous series would be the, uh, repairman Jack series of novels, which has over 30, uh, books in its, in its, uh, series. So he, he's, he's a legendary writer as well, though, as I say, maybe not the name recognition, but among people in the horror community, Mm -hmm. uh, highly, highly regarded. And of course, directed by Dario Argento, the legendary, uh, Italian director Otor, I believe we would call him in many ways, whose uh, use of sound, color, and uh, innovative camera work redefined not only the core genre but uh, filmmaking in general to many people. Um, you know, one of the true legends up there with the Romeros and the Carpenters and Cravens in in horror. So yeah, this the uh, this is as as revered a uh, pair of names. Uh, within the horror community as we've seen I think on any episode nice I like it that is uh, a couple legends of the cast too don't we yeah I don't know if you call them legends of horror but you got you got definitely a legend in in uh, meatloaf who for some reason uh, um, you know legendary singer meatloaf um, who for some reason is credited in the in the title sequences as meatloaf a day I was going to ask you about that, uh, uh, Jack, because I thought that was very weird. That was very weird. Apparently, they decided instead instead of giving going by his name, but going by his uh, diet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He he did use that name quite a lot around that time. I feel like he was credited that in Fight Club as well. Meatloaf a day, was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, actually, looking at IMDb, it's a, a lot of his film credits are. Uh, meatloaf a day maybe it was a might have been a actors guild thing or something weird like that that possible yeah yeah Um, but yes i remembered it from from uh, fight club among the 
not his breakout role because his breakout role was in a comedy horror from 20 years before that. I kind of think of him in break uh, his uh, not. I wouldn't say breakout, but I do think of him from Fight Club when I when I think of his acting roles too. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty memorable that character. No, well, it's it, Black Dog. That's how it broke out. <laughs> Patrick Swayze and him driving truck. Oh, that does sound good. Uh, <laughs> of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I mean that was like a glorified music video um from uh for his role in it uh, there wasn't a lot of meat to that character <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> all right pelts pelts oh, uh, we're not we're not going to talk about john saxon oh well john saxon is is yeah, definitely you're right. you're right i mean it's not a yeah, it's not a big role and and uh, i mean his most famous role would be uh Certainly, in, in Enter the Dragon, but I mean, he he worked in numerous. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, we're uh, talking Black Christmas. Black Christmas is the, is. The I mean, one. he he was yeah. the. I mean, any genre uh, you can be considered a master of. I think uh, Nightmare on Elm Street would be what this crowd would know him most from. That's that's my kind of that was my first. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Marker, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, he's he's a he's a legend. You're right. That's that's one that. I, like I say, he didn't have a large role in the film or in this episode, so I kind of uh, um, was but not thinking about. the time he's there, you know yeah. it, because he's yeah. playing drunk better than. Well, he could be drunk. That's how good he, he is. might actually be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> there was a possibility. <laughs> but Jack, t- tell us before we move on to the to the actual plot here. You've you've had some comments the last I think four or five episodes of Masters of Horror that it was missing a certain something, <laughs> a little uh, a little seasoning to the episode. Uh, this one's uh this one's an R. This one's got boobies. They're back. Oh, is are they back? <laughs> I mean, I I mean I believe we predicted it, um, but uh, you know we said it's Argento. There'll probably be boobies. But I mean, I think it, the the thing runs for fifty eight minutes. I believe there's uh, boobies in fifty six minutes of it. <laughs> you, you might be counting Meatloaf a Day's boobies for, <laughs> for a chunk of that. Maybe. That's true, but <laughs> he, he gets I, I a mean, lot of screen time there too. <laughs> they, they do, they do. But uh, no, I mean, I think I think the one that gets me is the one right at the end. Um, uh, one of the characters who happens to be a stripper, so there's the reason why she's naked for <laughs> the majority of her film time. Um, when she dies at the end in in a gruesome manner, and uh, the police find her and, and Meatloaf both dead um, for absolutely no reason. She's wearing a fur coat that is half open and topless just so we can see one extra breast. Like, just- he just found a way... <laughs> To, yes. for no reason whatsoever to show an extra breast in there. Yes. Dario saying, you know, in Italian that he uh, he thinks it's bad luck to have an even number of nipples. In a... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you always have to have one. Hey, uh, I'm just glad there were no, like, in his daughter was not in this film. <laughs> yeah, daughter, that's true. Wife, he, didn't, he didn't have a naked daughter in this related film. to Dario and Gento seems to be naked in this film. That's right. Asia, who is raised to be afraid of clothes. Um, 
Ah, uh, they're Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, tell us, tell us, uh, we, we, what, uh, what happens in? Elf. Sure, this is some sick shit, man. It, yeah. Um, yeah, I made the mistake of trying to eat chicken wings when I was watching this. <laughs> by the way, that was not a good plan. Uh, to call what's going on here, a uh, plot is a little bit of a stretch. It is our general. Uh, yeah, basically, you got Meatloaf playing a furrier who uh, hires a poacher to get some sort of magical raccoons. I don't know what the hell is going on with that. Um, <laughs> and everyone who touches these raccoon pelts uh, seems to die in a horrible manner that is sort of poetic to their job. So, you know, the seamstress gets her eyes shut, uh, sewn shut. And you know what? No, we just go from booby shot to an animal getting squished. That's what this movie is. It's kind of fun. Um, there seems to be some overarching plot that you can get rich by putting raccoon coats on strippers. <laughs> we're, we're definitely coming back to this com- to this part of it. <laughs> <Let's keep going. laughs> I, got, I have so many questions. <laughs> like, what the hell? I mean, how do you get rid? A raccoon coat is not even a good kind of fur, fur coat. These rack, these are perfect pelts, though. These are perfect pelts. They're still raccoons. <laughs> well, the, the raccoon coat was was popular. I feel like early twentieth early twentieth century that it was because uh, I think that's what like. The, the college kids wore in the movies like that it was like that it was that kind of like cold day at Yale kind of jacket like I still I, saw that coat it was not that type of coat you're talking about no I mean that was clearly designed for a woman um but I think like it was a a jacket that was actually more for men um <laughs> all right keep keep going because I've got so many notes um <laughs> all these raccoon pelts for some reason they what? Pine lights. They refer to them as well. Pine, pine lights, lights is what she calls them. I don't know. Like he he knows it's like he sees. Maybe she sees them as something else. Uh, that's a whole other thing. Um, oh yeah, uh, I mean they they do sort of sprinkle in some like mythology that's not uh, elaborated on. That you know these aren't real raccoons. They're they're that's just their. I don't know embodiment in this environment as they come across as raccoons, but you know that's secondary. That that's like two minutes of a fifty-minute film. <laughs> the rest of it's just nudity. putting raccoon coats on strippers. So, <laughs> so this is this is my favorite part of like so many of these kinds of movies is uh, is that there's a like Oscars level event or awards for like their specific thing um, <laughs> and so he's he's talking about taking the f- they're going to make a fur coat that they're going to take to this big event that even the strippers heard of uh that is like the place for fur it is like the event for fur in the world and uh this uh 
these pelts are so amazing that uh, he, our, our main, the, the loaf uh, says over and over that they're going, like they've got it made, like these are going to make them their fortune. And it's, uh, it's all like, it's all roses after this. Um, and, uh, and at that point in the story, he hasn't established that he's going to get any more fur than he has. Um, so, so they have uh, they have fourteen uh, raccoon pelts uh, that uh, John Saxon got from, uh, of course, from uh, Indian land, from uh, Native American land. He, he trespassed on, and uh, and because this is a, this is a horror movie, uh, every bit of uh, um, Native American superstition is absolute truth. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh my wife came in came in a couple of minutes in he had just like he was just getting the raccoon pelts uh off of their previous owners and uh just like what's going on here I'm like well i i'm guessing that the raccoon pelts are uh cursed that uh the raccoons were cursed now the pelts are cursed and and i felt so victorious when later on one of the characters says i think these are cursed <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, even they weren't sure. Like I said, I mean, apparently the raccoons were protecting this burial ground or something like that. That's the whole thing. They were some way protectors, and then they were killed, and then or some or some sort of you know. But yeah. was there a burial ground there? I thought they were just sort of. Well, there was. It was a something. escaping from the nether room or realm or something. I don't know. Of. Uh, Symbology and and you know I don't know I, mean, I thought of Pompoco and the, wasn't there the... there was like a big it it, it didn't look like a burial thing it was more like a like an altar or like a yeah yeah like it looked more Aztec than it did anything else because it was like I mean the biggest the most important thing was is that raccoons were carved into the stone which is always a bad that's a that's a bad thing. Like if you go to a place and there's a bunch of raccoons and their raccoons are carved into this ancient uh, Native American stone, um, I mean, probably just go with it, like this might be one of those Native American superstitions that's totally true, and just leave the raccoons alone. <laughs> I, I I did a bit of research on raccoon pelts and uh, it's uh, the, the juice ain't worth the squeeze, is what they say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There is, by the way, an American Fur Awards. Just nice. looked it up. It does exist. Awesome. Well, I, I felt it existed. I thought it was odd that the stripper knew what it was and thought it was her big break, too. Um, well, she hadn't been a regular model for a while. Yeah. She'd only been a stripper. I guess there was and, that. that uh, there was like that she, Yeah, there was that implication she had been a fashion model, and maybe that's why she knew what it was. Um but yeah, like Meatloaf is uh, in love with the stripper. He has this opportunity to well, in love like with the, the stripper. Suit. I think is yeah, the best that's way. fair. Yeah, and yeah. and not like a good kind, like a like I'm surprised she let him back into the club after the incident kind of way that uh, he, he got a little handsy. A little yeah, like the Yeah, she didn't yeah, care was... at that point. She was in. She was she was having a good time eating out that other girl who was also topless for no reason. And, yeah. uh, well, I mean, I guess she should be topless. She is being eaten out. Yeah, so she's that's... performing this uh, very graphic uh, lesbian scene with her. And uh, just an excuse for both of them to be naked again. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, he shows point. up. 
to the the lesbian lover, was there? It was just it was yeah. just to be naked. No. That was the whole reason she existed, just to be naked. Yeah. Never really realized that th- that does not add anything to the plot whatsoever. And <laughs> you know, Nothing really to the sort story. of adds, only adds like ten minutes of runtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't add anything to the characterizations. It because uh, I mean, it's, it's she's only naked until until uh, you know. I mean, uh, she tells Meatloaf, you know, she, that she will never sleep with him. And then he says, "Well, I have this fur coat, and you can model it." And then she like <laughs> rubs her ass against his against his against his crotch, you know. And you're like, and she's like, "I'll think about it." And I'm like, "She's a very forgiving lady." Uh, <laughs> so uh, the well, tell something happens with the fur though, like the the fur itself because of the curse that I had mentioned. Uh, as soon as someone, it seems to be when someone touches it a lot. Like someone spends time with it because Milov doesn't like, and that's kind of like, it takes him a while because he doesn't really touch the fur um, very much at all. Like he, someone else carries it to the car. Uh, He shows a guy how to, how to carefully cut it. Uh, One of his terrible employees uh, shows him how to properly cut the fur to, uh, you know, to make the best coat out of it later. Uh, but everyone else along the way who touches it for any length of time goes nuts. Uh, starting with John Saxon's son, and it's like it's a it's a homicidal and suicidal uh, behavior that comes from handling this perfect thing. But everyone seems very very happy when they're you know doing horrible things to others and themselves. Uh, yeah, they they are they are um, orgasmic almost. Mm-hmm. They are performing these acts like they, they the the son, uh, John Saxon's son is quite squeamish, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when he's being shown how to kill and murder the 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 trap raccoons. You know, Saxon shows them step on their, their neck. And if they don't if they don't die, take a baseball bat to them. Sometimes you'll have to take a baseball bat to them 50 times. That lot is in him not being a good actor, too. I'd be creeped out and a little bit giddy. <laughs> That line slayed me. That uh, oh, if it's really hard to kill raccoon, you might have to hit it fifty times. <laughs> I like it's still a raccoon for God's sakes. Like, I know. <laughs> how many times do like how many times do you realistically have to hit a raccoon with an aluminum bat before there's no pelt left? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like Nick said, people tend to die in the way that they interact with the fur. Mm, also true. You know? yeah. Yeah, right. So, I mean, the way that you interacted with the raccoons, with the furs, is the way that you meet your demise. And that's a, the thing about these things is generally um, you want a sympathetic character in a story. But this story is a little different. This is Argento. Argento's theory is um, I'm not going to give you a sympathetic character because I'm going to kill them all anyways. Nobody survives. <laughs> spoiler alert. I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler alert at all, really. I mean, you can see this coming. Nobody survives this, these, these cursed pelts. And because of that... Did the second command actually survive? I assume he's going to die next. Because he's next to interact with them. And he doesn't really do much. He's not really part of the story, or he doesn't really interact with them. But I assume if he does interact with... Like, wherever these pelts are going, there's, the death will continue. And 
So, he, I mean, the fact that he survives is in no way relevant because you're not at all interested in that character. Um, any Everybody basically dies. He's going to kill everybody off. So it's okay to make everybody horrible. And they are. Everybody <laughs> is That's true. terrible. Terrible. They, terrible. You take the fur coat off the armless prostitute. Does it go anywhere else? It, well, that, the, that coat the doesn't. The story ends with a yeah. bloody footprint from one of the police officers. But I, I, like I say, I mean, I assume yeah. that it's going to go wherever it's going. It's going to continue killing. Well, they um, they established that this coat is like heavily. It's got blood all over it, and uh, you know, it is fur, so maybe you can get that out. Um, but uh, they also established that that's not all of the pelts. That this that they've got more to like. They've got more than made this coat. Um, <laughs> But they, uh, there's some there's some diciness there in my research on raccoon pelts, uh, which I I never expected to be a thing I would research. Uh, I did. I they, thought that about you. I always was like, it's a matter of time. Uh, it uh, it uh, it takes about uh, twenty pelts to make a coat, hmm. uh, and they have fourteen, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, yeah, they, these were big raccoons, though. They were yeah, the perfect. They were, cut. but yeah, like I, somewhere between uh, like twenty and thirty raccoons to make a to make a coat. Um, so they got about a half a coat's worth of raccoons, but maybe they're they're also really they were big raccoons, so maybe that's uh, going to help out our numbers here. And they didn't have to take little pieces of the raccoons because the the pelts were perfect all the way through. That's right. The the pelts the, were super the high quality. Flat. Yeah. Um, and I love the little effect that they did when when people look at the pelts. There's this kind of glimmer, ref, like um, reflecting quality, like a little bit of a shiver to them. I didn't um, see any shimmer. You're next, man. <laughs> no, no, I, I do. I think that's where the what was it the you know the pine lights thing mm. kind of comes comes in. Oh God, you're both dead. So a. Uh, so raccoon pelt, um, uh, really high quality, best of the line, uh, fifteen bucks for a pelt, and uh, <laughs> he has uh, his fourteen he's of them. Get rich. Uh, he does rich establish, rich. yes, he he's he, his uh, the call that John Saxon made is uh, is that you can get ten times what you'd normally get. Um, so bucks. so we're talking about uh, a little over two grand. Uh, for all of the pelts, um, <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, the other bit of of how uh, the the furrier says that they're going to take this coat on the stripper to the the fur show, and uh, and then that's their ticket. Like the sky's the limit after that. And and I kept thinking, I'm like, but you only you only have the one coat. Like, yeah, but people even, will assume that's that quality with the rest of their coats. I, I guess, yeah, I guess that's where he's going because it's not until later that he goes, "Oh, wait, if I had two of those raccoons, I could get more raccoons out of that." That is why he visits the. Uh, that is why he visits the lady who uh, uh, holds the land, because yeah. he wants to get those raccoons to breed. Yeah, that was the reason he went there. Yeah, and but then he found out she may be nuts. <laughs> she just might be. 
I think you've done more research into the fur trade than anyone who mm-hmm. was involved with this, the making of this picture. Yeah, that's that's typical though. Because uh, I mean, we do have a zebra pelt coming out of this factory early in this film. Oh, do we? Oh, that's so yeah. Cool. It comes right out of the credits <laughs> when he's he, there's a zebra pelt pelt there, and I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's not doing raccoon and zebra pelts. And why not? <laughs> different <laughs> continents. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he's he's making a living as a furrier, but not a really good living. You know, I mean, <laughs> when we talk about his employees, it's like five people. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's basically a little sweatshop he's running there. Yeah, basically is. He's all, like I say, he's, uh, everybody's horrible in this thing, but he's the most horrible. And uh, Meatloaf's character. And, and, you know, it doesn't have necessarily the surreal quality that we typically see in our gentle project that mm-hmm. Jennifer had the surreal feel to it. Yeah. But, you, I mean, if nothing else, we, we talk about a lot of the episodes and we go, oh, well, is this actually more of a thriller than horror? Is this dark comedy? This is definitely at least a horror. Like, yeah. you are not, you know, going to associate this episode with anything other than horror content. Yeah, yeah, there's that not a lot said, of, like... It's not all that scary. I think it's uh, it's a very gro- it's one of the most gross out for sure. Oh, definitely. Um, the, but I th- yeah I think it's the uh, face being cut off was really gross. Although one of the worst special effects. <laughs> I I'll let you know if I can watch it with my eyes closed uh, with my eyes open. Um, <laughs> there, there were definitely a couple of like pulling the covers over my eyes moments in this episode, uh, which doesn't happen often, but. This is some pretty rough stuff in this one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, just the the effects of of the skinning was yeah. enough to be, make me go, oh, that's so. I'm eating chicken wings, guys. <laughs> that's the. Whole, <laughs> that's probably what skinning skinning people or creatures for fur uh, is actually like. <laughs> I yeah, I, I was wondering about that because the process they seem to use to get the pelts from the animal seemed to be more of like a grapefruit squeezing method than <laughs> a skinning method that I did I had imagined. <laughs> you don't yeah you don't you don't see much of uh of that part. I mean it, it's it is that uh, that that thing where you uh, if you if you show it being done to an animal, like part of your brain thinks it might be real, but when you do it to a person, your brain's like, no, that's not. So, like it's yeah. it's actually more disturbing when it's an animal because <laughs> of Hollywood's horrible history of how they've treated animals, basically. <laughs> Especially and Italians' horrible history of how they treat. Oh yeah, animals. yeah. They're they're just yeah. now hearing that maybe not that's not okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they haven't heard though putting your na- naked daughter in a movie is not okay. Well, let's not take everything from them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's something, some things to keep uh, Italian cinema going. Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not it's probably not as good as Jennifer, but uh, it delivered in what it meant to be. It was gory and sleazy, and uh, there was copious amounts of nudity for no reason. <laughs> I, I so kind of liked it. Very just healthy. I think it was lady. a little different than anything else uh, Argento's, Argento's done. He's always been more psychological than gross out, although some of his films do, do have some gross I moments. Mean, some of them have. I mean, he's got the, he's he's well known for the money shot, for the, the, the gross out shot, but it's usually done with incredible, because it's done with incredible camera work. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, that shot, I can't believe he got that shot. That That's unbelievable. It it he's still an auteur yeah. the way he does it this is just more a little more slimy and, and greasy yeah than you typically see <laughs> yeah this that. is porno as to as porno as to erotica other than yeah that's a good way to put it yeah mm. yeah but you know i enjoyed it for what it was yeah yeah so. i think it's uh I, I think it's a worthy entry and uh and uh, definitely some people um, with a lot of craft um, being brought to this, and uh, and you know, um, severe violence and uh, an excessive nudity. Just uh, it's the most um, uh, gratuitous that the nudity's been in any of these. Um, so perhaps, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's been in a few. Has the least to do with any story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the least. This, <laughs> this one, it was just just to, hey, uh, it's been probably a couple minutes since we've had some nudity. Uh, let's have a let's let's put that uh, that her eating that girl out in there for three <laughs> minutes for no reason. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, so no, really, it's one of my favorite episodes. Is what I'm saying. What I'm trying to get across. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> worthy. I think is a is a good way to put it. Worthy episode. <laughs> and I mean, after four straight episodes of no nudity, it was just nice to know that Argento was coming around. <laughs> too true. Too true. Well, all right, that wraps it up for episode six of season two of Masters of Horror. Uh, we are the Cult Film Showdown. We are on Instagram. And we are sponsored by WeTalkPodcast.com, the home of the Octagon. They are on Facebook and they are on Twitter. And uh, we are on Patreon under Cult Film Showdown. Support the efforts we are making. Uh, We are so late in Masters of Horror now that we're starting to chit-chat about what we might want to do after this. Uh, There's a couple of of, uh, options available that would thematically follow Masters of Horror. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's actually one I thought of the other day that I'm like, this would be great to do that uh, that I meant to throw past you guys. First off, what is the Octagon for those uninitiated? Oh, well, our, in our day-to-day lives, uh, we are uh, searching for the ultimate B-movie, um, and uh, we rate them in five categories, none of which is objective quality, and we keep track of that on the Octagon, which is a rating of where you can sort our top rated movie period uh or you can sort by the the different categories of uh of uh how many what the fuck moments an episode ha- or a movie has and and its overall uh 
It's a uh, kitsch factor. I've actually forgotten the five categories as I'm talking here. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> factor, there's memorable moments. There's more heart than budget. That's uh, my favorite category. That's my favorite uh, favorite rating category is uh, is more heart than budget because I think that there's that's the one that really separates the the men from the boys. Uh, were. The, it's it's true in many ways that that's the best category to rate the film in, but I mean the WTS is the most fun. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, check out the those archives because we've uh, done a lot of episodes and there's a lot of good laughs in there. There's there's about a hundred and hundred and fifty that we uh, that we've done, um, and uh, yeah, that's and and I would say I and. I mean, the top 10 would make a fantastic uh, movie marathon for you. Uh, that would just, you know, get your friends together and start watching those uh, during. I'm assuming there's going to be another lockdown any day. So, uh, <laughs> and, so that, and the nice thing about and the nice thing about it is it's a really good mix of well-known cult films mm -hmm. and more obscure cult films. Absolutely. That, uh, that yeah. you, you would enjoy. So. Yeah. Uh, it's terrific stuff. And uh, now, and now, my we were we had talked about doing fear itself after we do cult. Do you want mm -hmm. do you want to me to throw out the other one? I was thinking. Yeah, tell us we, the other one. Back to fear itself, but you know what would be a really good series to do is that American Gothic series that was on uh, one that was created by I believe David Cassidy in 1995 or 1996. That was uh, is a cult favorite. That was on uh, I believe CBS. It was spectacular. It's a fantastic series. It's it is not an anthology, but it is a fantastic series. I absolutely love it. Um, and uh, some amazing. It's got a really cool cast. A couple of whom have become um, uh, much more um, much more well known names after that series, uh, including uh, the star of the best Fast and the Furious movie, Tokyo Drift. Uh, oh, Lucas Black. Lucas Black. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. uh and uh just the, a kid did that show. Uh and the 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 woman who's like she's won like four Emmys and has been almost every season of American Horror Story. I've totally blanked on her name. Uh she was in that well as well. That's right. That's right. That person. Yeah, you know her. You know her, you yeah. love her. And uh Yeah, she was really hot in American Gothic and she still looks good. Well, she, she wasn't. She wasn't super hot in American Gothic. She was almost mute. Um, <laughs> so. Or maybe I'm thinking of a different actor. <laughs> I'm I'm still cheering for Freddy's Nightmares, so we're gonna have to do. That's a good out. one. Oh, that's a good. And then there's Nightmare Cafe, as another one starring mm -hmm. Robert Englund that was on. Uh, oh NBC. yeah, yeah. I've only so seen a couple of those. There's lots yeah. to do here. Sarah Paulson is the actress I was talking about. Okay, I, I was thinking of somebody else. Sarah uh, pa Paige Torco was the uh, was the like the female lead because Sarah Paulson is uh, the young woman who uh, sees something terrible in the in the pilot and then uh, basically doesn't speak for the whole series. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was only Paige a Turco, teenager she, when she did this. Yeah, she yeah she was the one who was super hot. You're right, and uh, ah boy yeah. was she good. Sure. <laughs> I'd I'd be in a, it, it's uh, it's twenty two episodes so it's a uh, it's a it's a uh, well I put it in the, we can put it in the mix though uh, Masters of Science we would like which was to hear from your opinion we were, uh, put it in the put it in the comments on the uh, yeah. We Talk podcast website or on YouTube even better put it in the comments what you would like to uh, us to do next I like it.
All right, we will we'll be back next time with the screw fly, the screw fly. Try that again. The screw fly solution. <laughs>